Thank you for streaming the audio messages of the Fountain Church. Uh, we're in a series right now entitled, this is a short two-part series entitled Silence the Storm. And uh, it really was birthed uh, by the Lord last minute. We had intended to go into a different series, uh, but the Lord had put this passage in my heart uh, probably about a month, a little over a month ago, and I thought it was so fitting because it was right before uh, the storm hit through the Bahamas, and it just seemed to be resonating. It was only going to be one message as we transitioned to a different series, but uh, I just really felt led to preach it in two parts and uh, excited for what God has in store for us today. Um, but, but I did want to uh, bring your attention to next week. We're going to be headed into a series entitled Breaking Bad Habits. Breaking Bad Habits. And, and we really want you to be a part of it. And what do I mean by that? Meaning all of us have habits that we would love to see God eradicate from our life. Um, habits that we would love, um, that really just had us hung up and that we would love to break. And so we'd love to hear some of those things for two reasons. Number one, we want to be praying for you. And number two, you might hear that habit pop up in this message series. Um, and so if, if you're interested in just kind of joining us, this is going to be completely anonymous, but we would love to hear from you. And so you could text your bad habit. Uh, you're going to go ahead and text Breaking Bad to 474747. And then it's going to pop up just like a little prompt. So just follow the one prompt, and then you can actually type in your bad habit that you hate, that you would love, really to, to overcome. And it's completely anonymous, so this gives us an opportunity to pray for all of your bad habits, uh, and it also gives us an opportunity to hear where you're struggling. And listen, even though it's anonymous, you may see that habit pop up in the series. Um, so please join us. We'd love to kind of hear where you're at, where you're wrestling, and we would love to pray for you. Sound good? Well, we've been in a series, like I said, entitled Silence the Storm, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture from, uh, from Acts chapter 27. Acts 27. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up. Uh, if not, you guys know it's going to be on the screen. If you're a first-time guest, don't feel weird. We have all of that covered for you on the screen in just a moment. But uh, we've been in uh, this, this series, and, and we've been walking through Paul's journey from uh, being a prisoner, getting ready to stand before Caesar. But he's going to travel from Jerusalem to Rome and that's a long journey, and the majority of it is by sea. And so Paul is a prisoner on his way to Rome, and he gets caught in a storm. He gets caught in a storm. Now, if you did not, uh, if you weren't here last week, you can go online and listen to that message again. We'd love to kind of just catch you up. Uh, it's really going to set a big part of the context of where we're going today. But if you're jumping in right now, you're, you're not going to miss out. This is a standalone message, but um, it'll give you a much broader perspective as we started it last week. But I just want to read to you, um, <clears throat> starting in verse 33, we're, we're just going to start actually on verse 27, Acts chapter 27, verse 27. This is on the 14th night, they're caught in the storm still. They, they've been driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight, the sailors sensed that they were approaching land. So they took some soundings and found that the water was 100 feet deep. Uh, a short time later, they took some soundings again and found that it, that it was 90 feet deep. So fearing that they would dash against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some of the anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. So the soldiers cut the ropes that held the lifeboat and let it fall away. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense. Anybody ever been in a storm like that? Just can't even eat? Just constant suspense? He said, and you've, you've gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food, for you need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food. Uh, altogether, there was 276 of them on board. And when they had eaten as much as they wanted, they lightened the ship by throwing the grain into the sea. I, I, I want to speak to you today around this idea of foot locker. Foot locker. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the power of your spirit 
and your word, that your word is, a, is alive and active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord, you're able to cut right to the heart of matters. Lord, so as I speak, I know that, uh, Lord, as I speak your word, that you're going to speak to hearts in different ways. And so, Lord, I just pray that you give us ears to hear, God, um, what you would speak to us. Give us hearts that are ready to receive all that you have in store. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 Well, well, is anybody uh, like shoes? Anybody like shoes? Let me show you a little picture. Um, anybody ever been to a store that looks like this? For some of you, this is heaven. Um, for others of you, you could really care less. But, but I think in all reality, like, we like shoes, but for different reasons, right? I think in America, it's, it's not so much we like shoes because they're a necessity. It's more we like shoes because they're an accessory. Does that make sense? Like, like for us in America, for, for the most part, I'm not saying everybody are making just a, a blanket statement, but for the most part, um, there, there's this kind of sense of, I'm not really questioning if I'm going to have shoes. I'm almost, I'm more so questioning what kind of shoes am I going to have depending on what outfit, depending on is it going to be dressed up, is it going to be casual, am I going for a run? A lot of us have multiplicity of shoes for a lot of things. Some of us, we may only have one pair. Some of us, you know, we may like one particular style or one, you know, you know, particular color. But nevertheless, I think we can all appreciate shoes at some level. Now, even though we don't think about this so often, every once in a while, something will happen in our life where we're like, thank you for shoes, God. Right? Like, come on, have you ever been at a lake or maybe you're at, you're at you know, some type of, you know, swim center and you bring all your stuff and you got your little flip-flops and you're, you're ready to go and then, you know, everything gets packed up and they head out to the car and you realize that your flip-flops were in the bag and so you have to walk to the car because your cell phone's there and there's gravel and it's hot and it's like this, Man, why do they take my, right? Anybody ever experienced that? Okay, now, now, now some of you guys look at me like, no, I don't experience that. I know because there are people in here that you, you can walk on coals with your feet. You're just like, let's go. But for those of us with sensitive feet, um, you can appreciate some shoes, right? Or, or when you're getting out of the pool and it feels good for about, about 10 seconds and then the heat starts to get in. And you know you either have to get off of the side, off the ground or you have to find some shoes. And then the moment you put those flip-flops on, it's like, oh, it's like heaven. Oh, it's like the, the greatest relief. Come on, are you, are you guys tracking with me here? You guys with me? <laughs> I was thinking uh, probably the worst thing is, is when you're waking up in the middle of the night. And, and maybe you have kids. Maybe you don't have kids. But you know that mysterious thing on the ground that you step on when, the, when it's dark and it's one of those, you're just kind of walking, you got to use the restroom, and say, ah, and you just, and then you just get mad at your kids, right? And then you find out it's like, it's something of yours, or, or, or even the worst, even the worst part is when you step on it, and then there's nothing there. You're like, what in the world? What's going on, right? It's like some things sticking out of the carpet. Anybody have those little metal things sticking out? I'm like, don't step over there when you come to my house. Don't step right there. There's a little stake. But, but we, we can all appreciate, I think, shoes at some level. And this last week, um, my family and I, we're, we're really competitive, and we love to, to compete. So I come home from, from work, and, and my girls are doing jumping jacks, and they're trying to do them real fast. And so I was like, all right, babe, time me. I'm going to smoke these girls, right? <laughs> so no joke, we got it on video. So if you guys don't believe me, I hit about 100 jumping jacks in about a minute's time, right? And it looked real fast, just real fast, just real fast, just, just crushing my girls, dominating, like, girls, look at this. And so about halfway through, about halfway through, I started to feel this burning on my feet because I was doing jumping jacks with socks on, uh, on the hardwood floor. So, you know, every time that I jumped, my feet would do something like that. And so about halfway through, I started to feel this burning, but I'm like, push through, push through. I got it. And so I, I kind of shifted to the carpet and it felt a, a little bit better. And then I crushed them over a minute, beat my eight and six year old. That's how, I'm raising them up, I'm trying to raise up a generation that not everybody gets a trophy, all right? It's important. This stuff is important. And uh, so, so then all of a sudden my feet start burning. I'm like, what is going on? So I just go, we, you know, I start uh, messing around in the kitchen. I think we were cooking dinner or something. And, and all of a sudden it was like, ow, ow. 
And so a little time passed, and I looked, and there was, some, there was red marks on both my big toes. And then on the balls of my feet, I was going to give you a picture, but then I thought that'd be gross for some of you. You're like, too much. We don't want to see your feet, bro. And, uh, and so I, I just thought nothing of it. Okay, I got a little burn, a little, you know, little sock burn. And you remember last week I just preached on how John Wooden teaches his players to put on socks so they don't get blisters on their feet. Right? Sometimes I need to listen to my own messages. Because this wasn't about socks. It was about shoes. And, uh, and so long story short, I, I, I look about an hour later, and I got two big blisters on my big toes. And then I got blisters in one minute time, one minute, two big blisters on my big toes, and then like a couple little blisters on the balls of my feet. And I was like, are you serious? So then I take off my socks because the hardwood floor is cold, and it's like, oh, this feels, but then it gets hot real quick, and it was just so uncomfortable. And so I'm trying to walk, and, and I got tons of stuff to do. So I look at Jackie, I'm like, I got blisters on my feet, man. I, she's like, what? And so... So I end up going to the, to the room, and I put on some socks. I didn't know if that was going to work. I put on some socks, and I put on some Nikes, and it was like, oh, reprieve, like relief. It, it just felt so good. See, blisters are, are no joke when they're on the bottom of your feet. In fact, let me just give you, if you don't know what a blister is, let me help you define it. Uh, it's a small bubble on the skin filled with serum caused by friction, burning, or other damage, right? And it, it's just, it hurts. It was, it was hard to walk. It was burning, and, and when I was walking before my shoes, it was, there was no stability. And the moment that I put my shoes on, there was instant peace, instant relief, instant stability. And I felt the Holy Spirit say in that moment, see, this is, see, I'm taking one for the team, guys, right? Like God is using my body as an ex- illustration so I can serve you spiritually, right? But the Holy Spirit, no joke, no joke. This is not fabricated. Like in that moment, the Spirit of God speaks to me and says this. It says this, it's your shoes that will cause you to stand the storm. I was like, and I just knew instantly what the Spirit of God was, was, was speaking to me. Because see, at that moment, as silly as it sounds, my feet were in a storm. There was friction. They were burned. They were on fire. There was damage. And as a result of that, I was unstable. It was, it was hard. It was hard to, to navigate. It was, it was hard to, to walk. It was painful. But the moment that I put my shoes on, it was like, oh. Like I could feel it a little bit, but it wasn't that bad. And when the Spirit of God said this to me, I knew it, it was like in a, in a moment's time, it was like this sense the Holy Spirit say, it's your shoes that will cause you to stand the storm, Ephesians 6. And I already knew where he was taking me. So I, Ephesians chapter 6, uh, go ahead, you, we, you can go there with me. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 12, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Like, if you didn't know this, you are in a spiritual battle. It's real. Um, I know as much as we don't like to think about that and talk about that, um, we like to just believe that that's not true. Unfortunately, we are in a spiritual battle. There, there, is, there is a realm of warfare that's happening uh, that maybe you can't see with your eyes, but some of you guys experience the results. But Paul continues, and he says this. He says, he goes on to say, go to the next one for me. There you go. Uh, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand firm firm. Well, well, how do we do that? Well, Paul goes on to tell us, he says this, he says, stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So Paul is pointing to us in this passage. He says, hey, there, there's some shoes that you need to put on your feet so that you can stand in the midst of battle. It, it's super important. Now, now, we know the importance of shoes for an athlete. It's probably the most, you know, the most easy example to say every athlete needs a good pair of shoes. But how much more a soldier? How much more a soldier in battle where their, their life actually depends on their ability to stand 
Their life depends on their ability to have some traction. Because as a soldier, they're going to they're gonna travel along some hot roads with gravel. Right? As a soldier, they're going to climb some cliffs with jagged rocks that they need to be sure they have a solid footing. They're going to trample through some, some thorns and some thistles. Right? They're going to find themselves crossing riverbeds with sharp stones. And so the soldier just needs to make sure that, that, that their feet are secure, that there is a stability, and that they are able to, to stand. Now let me give you a picture of some Roman shoes, because as Paul was giving this illustration, it's most likely, again, he is a prisoner for the gospel, and he's, he's, he's been amongst uh, Roman soldiers, and, and he's able to clearly identify using their uniform and attaching a spiritual metaphor to it. And, and Roman soldiers, their, their, their footwear was pretty interesting. Matter of fact, they would have some, I know this is kind of a distorted picture, but they would have some metal nail-like shrapnel things embedded into the bottom of their shoes so that it would give them more stability. It would give them more traction. Because if a soldier, if their feet are cut, right, if, if their feet are swollen, if their feet get blistered, what happens? They're not able to fight well. Why? Because they're not able to stand well. I, I mean, think about this for a moment. Like, you could have the breastplate of righteousness. You could have, you know, uh, the, the, the sword of the spirit. You could have the shield of faith. But if you can't stand, it's going to be really, really hard to fight that battle. Like, if they can't stand, it's going to be hard to, to use your sword, to use your shield. It's going to be hard to advance when you need to advance or retreat when you need to retreat. Because you're, you're stumbling along and you're in pain and it, and it, and it hurts or you're, you're tossed back to and from, and you're just not stable. You know, I, I was looking at, at, at a series. Anytime, like, I do a, a message, I just go on a binge of research, right? I just, I just start looking for different things. I'm thinking about a storm. What is it like to be on a ship in the middle of the storm? What is it? And so I spend most of my time on YouTube. Um, and so, so I, I, I got this picture. I, I took this snapshot. Let me show you. Um, this is a ship that's getting ready to be plummeted by a 100-foot wave in the North Sea, where it's just, they're caught in the middle of a storm. But what's so crazy is I'm watching, this is an actual video, you can just type in 100-foot wave, hit ship, North Sea, and, and it'll pop up. And as I'm watching, there's a couple of swear words in there, so I'm just, you know, they were pretty excited when they were getting hit by a 100-foot wave. And so I'm watching this video, and I'm thinking, I'm looking at it, and my heart is thinking like, oh, my, this is going to be one of those bad YouTube videos. It's going to go bad right now. And sure enough, man, this thing swells up, just like you see here, and just smashes the ship. And the guy's like, this is awesome. He's videotaping it. I don't know if it was on his phone or, or whatever the case was, but he was like, this is awesome. Whoa, the water is just, I mean, you could just see just the, but that ship was fitted for the storm. So they were, they, they were not moved. He was excited. He's like, whoa, this is awesome, and with a couple of curse words in there. And I just thought, man, you just got hit by a 100-foot wave in the middle of the ocean. And then, then I, I started to look at some cruise ships caught in storms. Completely different picture. Like, like these guys are fitted for it. They know, like, storm, let's go. Like, this is going to be a great day. We're hitting the North Sea. It's going to be an awesome time. 100-foot waves, let's go. That, that's, that's a cruise ship's worst nightmare. Right? And so, so you, I look at some cruise ships because on a cruise ship, you, you're not fitted for storms. Got your little dress on, or going to your five-star meal, all you can eat, right? And so you see the people on there. This guy on this ship, man, they were solid. The cruise ship, they were like this. Scared. I mean, you, and you just see, you see some, some people there just sitting there with their drinks and it's just shh, like their whole chair just sliding. Just did not look very stable at all. Because they, they weren't fitted for it, they weren't ready, they, they weren't prepared. See, see, this boat, it, it, it was fitted. It, it was ready for what was next. And I think what the enemy loves to do is to try, he tries to sweep our feet as fast as he can when the storm hits. You guys remember Karate Kid? Sweep the leg. Right, all you older people, like, we all know what that is. All younger people, like, what is Karate Kid? Sweep the leg. This is a karate movie where if I can get you on the ground. But now a jujitsu person would be like, yeah, get me on the ground, right? It's just a whole different day that we live in. Um, but, but, but nevertheless, 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 
The enemy would love to, to get you off balance. He'd love to steal your stand. He'd love to sweep you off your feet. Because if he can get you unbalanced, if he can get you disoriented, if he can get you all messed up, it's going to be so hard to see when you can't stand. It's hard to see when you ever lay down. It's hard to see when you're on the ground, isn't it? You, you lose sight. Your, your vision is, is, I mean, you can see, but, but your perspective is so limited. You'd love for us to be on the ground. This, this last week, we went to uh, Fuddruckers. Um, we take our kids to Fuddruckers because they have dollar ice creams. Listen, if you have kids and you do not know the Fuddrucker hack, come on, go there right after this service. You'll probably see us there. Dollar ice creams. All my kids, three bucks. We're done. It's awesome. So we're outside hanging out afterwards, and in, in Hacienda Crossings, they have these little garden areas, and there's these, you know, these stone uh, gardens where they have a garden kind of encompassed with a lot of stone, and, and the kids love to jump up on the stone, you know, some of those little pathways and walk on top of it. It's just pretty cool, right? Well, there's, there's one uh, part of the property where the, the stairs go down, and so as the stairs go down, how many of you guys know that stone little garden gets a lot higher? And so we're out there talking, and, and Olivia was playing, you know, she was walking along this little path. She does it all the time. She's a champion at balance, all that good stuff, right? And so all of a sudden, I just hear a, <clears throat> like, you know, where if you feel like it, did that just shake my feet? But I'm way over here. Did that? It was just so hard. And, and I look over, and I'm like, babe. And I just thought this one was like a fall, like you're thinking, oh, we're going to the hospital on this one. It's just, it's a high drop. And she fell like on her, like feet up, like on her back. But it was like she felt perfect. So it just kind of rocked her butt a little bit. And that was it. I was like, man, thank you, God. But I said, babe, what happened to you? Like, how did you do that? I mean, the thing is like that wide. And she's like, dad, I, I, was, I was close trying to do it with my eyes closed. <laughs> I know we're competitive, but we are not that competitive. Don't do that again. Just open your eyes. But, but I, I, I mean, how crazy. My whole family's taking a hit for this sermon today. So it's just, it's just the way that it is, right? But how, how likely is that that the enemy would love to keep you blinded from seeing where you're stepping so you can lose your stand? Just sweep you off your feet. That's what he does. He loves to blind our minds. And in the storm, he'd love to get us on the ground, and he'd love for us to lose perspective on who God is. He loved to blind our minds to the reality of the faithfulness of God, the truth of God's word and his promise. Because how many of you guys know, sometimes the first thing to go in the storm is the promises of God in our life. God, I know you said that, but I'm in a storm. I don't have time to think about what you said. I'm shaking them all over the place. But what if we could be like, like this ship that's in a, in, a, in a storm in the North Sea, just getting ready to get hit by a 100-foot wave and just be like, come on, baby. This is going to be, right? I don't think storms in our life are ever going to feel like that. Storms are painful. There's friction. There's things are on fire in our life. Things are damaged. So they're, they're not fun by any means. But, but I wonder if we, if we could just gain some perspective on who God is, that it might change some things in the midst of. So Paul, let, let me bring you back to this passage. He says, He's to stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness. This word readiness in the Greek, it means to be prepared. We're, we're fitted. We're ready. We're braced. We're postured. We're positioned for what's to come. He says ready, a readiness given how? Given by what? Given by the gospel of peace. Now, this, I, I think that a lot of people read past this and they don't understand it. It's just kind of the gospel of peace. Sounds great. I want to be ready like that. But let's get to the belt of truth and the shield of faith. That sounds more exciting. And who wants to talk about shoes? I mean, shoes is just, they're just shoes. But Paul said, no, 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 no. The, this is really important that you lean into this. A lot of people think that Paul is speaking about 
telling people about Jesus. We need to be ready to tell people about Jesus. And yes, that is true, but that's not what Paul is talking about in this passage. He's not talking about evangelizing people. He's not talking about traveling, telling people about the gospel. He's talking about you standing in the gospel when a spiritual battle is on, the, when the spiritual battle is, is, is in full-blown um, assault, and when you're in the midst of a storm, he's, he's saying you need to be able to stand in the gospel, in the good news of Jesus. You say, well, what is that good news? Well, that good news is that we were once enemies with God, and now by way of the cross, his life, death, resurrection, we are now at peace with God as followers of Jesus. That's great news. But also what's good news is, is God's love for us, right? The, the fact that we are now in Christ, united with him, one with him, our union with him. Not to mention his commitment to fight for us in the midst of the battle. His commitment. So I, I want you to get this picture because sometimes in a storm, that's all you got. Sometimes in a storm, all you're going to have is the gospel, but can I just encourage you that that is really all that you need. Sometimes we think, no, no, I need this. I need that. No, you need to get your foot locked. Be ready, rooted, and planted in the gospel. Because if you can't stand, you can't fight. If you can't stand, you can't see. So we have to have our feet fitted. So most of you guys know I'm in counseling. I, I go to counseling once a month, and I'm just a big proponent of it. There's a lot of pastors, as you guys saw, which is so heartbreaking. Another pastor committed suicide um, over this, this last week, he, and he runs in our tribe, and, uh, and it's just it's heartbreaking. And a, lot, a lot of pastors are suffering in silence. And, um, but counseling is not just, it's not for the weak, number one, and it's not just something that you go to when you have a problem. It, it's about being ready. It's about a preparation. It's about a readiness. So I'm just a big believer. I love the fact that I, I get challenged. I get, you know, um, it, it's just, it's been so incredible. And my counselor lives in Texas. And so all my counseling sessions are over Zoom. And uh, she counsels a bunch of pastors and their wives. And, um, <clears throat> and it's just really healthy for Jackie and I to, to do that. Like, we want to be healthy pastors so that we can pastor a healthy church. And this last week, she was saying, hey, you know, Matt, I don't know why I'm, I'm telling you this, but I'm going to share this with you. She said, you know, my, um, I, I prayed this prayer over my kids for 30, it was 32 or 33 years. She says it was a prayer of protection. It was an all-encompassing prayer. Like, like, I mean, I didn't miss a beat. It was like, Lord, I pray that you watch their comings and their goings and their ins and their outs and when they're in their bed and when they're at school. When they're, it was just an all-encompassing prayer of protection. And she said, man, I prayed that prayer. I think it was for 33 years. And she said, at 33 years old, my oldest daughter, which whom I started praying that over first, died of a seizure with a, a brand new baby. And, uh, and so I was like, what? And she said, you know, in, in that time, she said, I didn't realize, like, I had put all my hope in this prayer. But then God overrided. And, 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 and this, this is, I, I want you to, to, to hear me on this. There was a message that she preached by, or a message that was preached by uh, Pastor T.D. Jakes. And um, there, there was one part of the message, she said it didn't have anything to do with my situation, but there was one part that he was talking about a prayer that he always prayed. And then God spoke to T.D. Jakes in that moment, overrided. Meaning I'm overriding your prayer request. And so when she heard that, she was like, man, God, like, I feel that was the same thing. Like, God, I, I've watched your faithfulness for 33 years. I watched, but now it was like overrided. And, and, and I, I, don't have, I don't have my daughter. And she said, man, I, I put all my trust and my hope in this prayer. But God started to teach me something. She said, I started to, I started to realize that Apart from him, I really have nothing. She said, I was putting all my trust in the prayer and not putting my trust in him. And she said, I had, to, I had to, to be reminded of, man, we serve a God whose character is impeccable. We serve a God who, who is infinitely loving, infinitely good, infinitely faithful, infinitely holy. 
Like we serve a God and, 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 and his character, like you can't, it's, it's flawless. And so I know that if something happens, I may not understand, but I know that my God is infinitely loving. He's infinitely sovereign. He's in control of all things. Nothing, nothing misses a beat. And I know that I belong to him. I know that I am special. I know that, that, that he is my God. And she said, this is, again, not some whimsical hope just because I don't have answers. I need to put my hope in something. She said, no, no, no. This is the vivid reality of laying a hold of God in the midst of a storm. This is what it means to be rooted in the gospel of peace, the good news that this is who God is. This is who God is. And the gospel is not, listen, a lot of people think the gospel is the ABCs of Christianity. It's just something that, you know, we, we kind of use the gospel. Jesus, you know, lived a life we should have lived, died the death we should have died. You know, buried dead, risen from the dead. Okay, I give my life to Jesus, then I move on to something else. But Paul said, no, it's the good news of Jesus that has not only saved you, but sustains you and carries you to the day that you go to be with him. And, and, and so, 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 so what she was saying is, listen, in the midst of that, all I had was him. And she said, you know what, Pastor Matt? She said, I understood Paul for the very first time. She said, I know in whom I believe. And look, look, at the, look what Paul says. Paul said, that's why I'm suffering as I am, yet this is no cause for shame. I love this. So I did some research on this passage, and, and what Paul is saying is, I haven't bought into a lie. Don't try to shame me, you know, and, and, and don't make it seem like I've bought into something that's not real. Paul said, no, no, thorough investigation. <laughs> like, I have not put my hope in, again, some whimsical, you know, mystical belief that maybe there is a God. No, he says, I know in whom I believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. And she said, Matt, she says, no matter what happens... If your church crumbles, if all is lost, he's still loving. He's still good. And God is working on your behalf to, listen, maybe not make sense of everything, but to give you a peace and a stability in the midst of. Can I tell you this today? Can I tell you this today? It's not easy for her. As she was talking, she's still in tears, but she's standing. It may not be easy, but you'll be able to stand as we rest on who he is. Are you tracking with me on that? So Paul goes on to say this, or uh, Isaiah chapter 23, uh, 26 verse 3 says this, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. So, so there, there's a promise here. There's a promise attached to peace that I'll keep you in perfect peace, perfect soundness in the, in the original language in the Hebrew, perfect stability whose mind is stayed on you. Now, other translations say mind who's fixed on you, but he's not talking about eyes. He's talking about laying all of your weight on. Like I'm throwing everything that I am onto the, onto the stool. No, that, that's, that's literally, and, and it sounds kind of funny because sometimes in the midst of the storm, it, does, it is going to look funny because you're throwing all your weight on God and everybody's like, how are you standing like, what in the world? <laughs> like, my little moves, like, hey. Like. Um, and so, so you just, you, you get this picture, it's throwing all of my weight. And God says, when you do that, when you throw all your weight on me, it's going to know, it's going to show you trust me. And in that place of trust, there's perfect peace. And so the question still is how? How do I get to that place, Pastor Matt? Sounds great. But, but, but I'm struggling. What we said last week, if you missed it, you got to go back and get it because Paul said the first step is you need a word in the wind. You need a word from God when the wind is blowing. You need a promise to hold on to. Sometimes that will come directly from God's word. Sometimes God will use a person. We saw in Jackie's life the other day, God used a rock. God can use anything sometimes to get our attention to let you know that I've not forgotten about you. I've not forgotten about you. So we need a word in the wind. The second thing we need for taking notes, jot this down is we need to cut the ropes of compromise. If we're going to be able to stand firmly in the gospel of peace, you got to cut the ropes of compromise. See, these guys, uh, they're in the midst of the storm. They've, they've been out of 14 days, exhausted. I mean, just it, they're getting beat up. They're getting battered. And look, look what happens. 
Acts chapter 27, verse 22 and 24. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will die unless the sailors stay aboard. Stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Look at that. Look, just get this picture in your mind. Uh, they're trying to abandon the ship, but they were acting as if they were just lowering the anchors. But in reality, they had their eyes on the lifeboat. Now, let me rewind. Paul had already told them, hey, listen, guys, I've heard from God. He gave us a promise. Man, if we stay together, we're going to be safe. They're like, yeah, 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 until somebody saw the lifeboat. And nobody thought about the lifeboat. Forget the promise. Let's get the boat. You know, sometimes when we're in a storm, we're tempted to, com we're tempted to compromise our relationship with God for religion where we move from trusting in God to save us to trying to save ourselves. Isn't that so true? And, and, it, we, and we don't want people to see that, so we still go through the motions while all the while we're abandoning ship. I'm still showing up to church. I may still be so, showing up to serve. I may still be showing up to small group, but in my heart, I'm abandoning ship. In my heart, I'm looking for a way out. I'm looking for an alternative because I've lost sight at the promise and I'm trying to get my eyes on something that can fix this. On something that has the appearance, right? The appearance of, you know, I, I carry this appearance of trusting God, but, but, but I'm really not. It looks like I'm doing all the right things, but I'm really not. And we're, we're, we're trying to save ourselves. And I think such temptations come in our lives, in the moment of storms, if you're taking notes, you can jot this down. It's because we're afraid. Compromise is, is all, a lot of times is really tied to fear because we're panicked. We're getting thrown everywhere. It's like, what? And you're looking for a rope. You're looking for a boat. God told Jonah, I want you to go preach in Nineveh. Jonah said, I need a boat. I need to get out of here. I need to get as far away from God as possible. I, I need an out. Paul told him, listen, stay on the ship, like, stay. And, and, and I think, man, it's easy when we're afraid. It's easy to go through the motions. It's so easy to abandon ship. But we don't want that to be said here. Like, what if, what, what if they would just would have went to Paul and said, hey, Paul, I'm scared. And I'm thinking about using that lifeboat. What do you think? Paul would have said, no, right? Paul would have said, man, I get it. I understand. You don't think I've looked at that lifeboat a couple times? Well, we got to stay on the ship. We can't abandon our post. This is where the promise lies. I love it how the promise doesn't nullify the responsibility of man. Like they still had a responsibility to stay on the ship. They still had a responsibility to stay obedient in the midst of the storm. Are you guys tracking with me on that? And I wonder if they would have just went to Paul. I wonder if, if you would just, just come to one of us or come to your small group leader. We don't promote small groups because, again, like it's just like we get an extra bonus for you being in a group. Like God isn't like, you guys are crushing it in groups. Here's a check. Like, no, no, we want you to be in groups because we understand the power of Christ-centered community. We, un we understand the power of when, you, when, you're, when you're in a storm and you can say, I'm scared, and I don't know what to do. And you have somebody that, listen, may not be able to fix your storm, but can encourage you to stay on the ship. They may not be able to fix your storm, but they can say, hey, don't jump. I know the boat looks amazing. I know she's beautiful. I know he's handsome. Stay on the boat. Because I think what happens a lot of times is there's things that appear to be safe but aren't. There's, there's things that appear to be right, but they're not. Right? There's, uh, we, we love to trust God until something practical comes along. Like, like I'm going to trust the promise when there's no other options, but once another option comes around, I'm out. 
Come on, we see this in dating all the time. I see it as a pastor. I've seen it for years. Pastor Matt went through a bad breakup. It's just disastrous. And then, man, I'm here at church. I'm here. I'm here for small group. I'm here on Sundays. I'm going through growth track. I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm just in. I'm not going. I'm on the boat. And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, what happened to her? I ain't seen her in like three weeks. Yeah, she got with this dude and she found a boat. And, and so, so it's like, and, and it looks, hey, and maybe on the outside it looks great, but this is the thing. What looks practical and what's wisdom for the world may be the wrong move in the spirit. And so if you don't know the word of God, if you're not walking with God, if you, don't, if you can't discern what God is saying to you in each season, it's tough. Jesus rebuked the, the people. He, he was saying, listen, um, you guys are so great at interpreting the weather. Like, you know the season there, but you can't interpret spiritually what's happening. It's important, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I see this with people with jobs. Don't have a job, and all of a sudden they're desperate. They need God. And then all of a sudden they get a job, and then they never come around again. I got to work. I got to work. It's like, I get it. I get it. I know you have to work. It's important. But you're not involved. You're not coming on Sunday. You're not even, you're not connected at all. You need to find another job. You need to trust God in this, Right? Because I know where you're at, and you know where you're at, and you know what you need, and you know what God spoke to you, what you swore God spoke to you. But now something practical comes along, and I want to trust God when nothing's available. And so these guys, they didn't have to cut the ropes, but they needed to. Because the whole while, they're just on that ship like, I'm going to jump in that boat. I'm going to jump in that boat. And they said, no, no, no. You need to cut the ropes. You just need to cut the ropes. What in your life right now? You know what, what God has been speaking to you. You know what's important to you, and, and you know where you should be. But there's a boat off to the side that you just keep just in case, like a little rebound. Come on, nobody likes, nobody likes being a rebound, right? Just in case we don't work. Just on the side, just got to keep this door open. Cut the ropes. Cut the ropes. So, so it's so cool because my wife, my wife is amazing. Yeah, some of you guys, you're looking at it. I'm cutting the ropes. <laughs> Rough. My wife, my wife this, this last weekend spoke in, at a women's uh, conference in, in Fresno. And uh, it's her third time speaking, right? So it was super pumped. We all went down as a family and hunkered in, and she just absolutely crushed it. It was, it was incredible. Um, but it didn't start that way. And I thought, man, babe, you're, you're, you're living my message this week. And so, so we, we, we get to the, to the hotel, and, you know, we have all our kids. And first of all, to start off, our car breaks down the day that we, on Friday, we're supposed to leave Friday, our car breaks down. Um, it was like, man, so we packed in the little Yaris. We're like, me, all the way to Fresno, right? <laughs> all the way to Fresno. I got there, my boy, I got there, my, my, my Pastor Anthony looked at me like, you guys drove down here in this? I'm like, saved on gas, man. And uh, so funny, like the door wouldn't even shut because the car seat. Uh, it's just, it was just, it was the best. Um, my, my in-laws did offer their truck, but, you know, it was a larger truck. And we're like, we're going to save on gas. And, um, and then my father-in-law fixed our truck because he's just amazing. Came home and it was fixed. So awesome, awesome, awesome. But, but we're, we're there and, and we get there. And so we're, we're pumped up, man. I'm praying for Jack. You guys know Joyce Myers. Anybody ever heard of Joyce Myers? Well, her, her, her husband's name is Dave. So I said, man, on this trip, just call me Dave. I'm here to lift up your hands. I'm here to build you up. And uh, so, so it comes time for the conference. And uh, it was an hour before, and she calls me. She said, babe, my notes are deleted. I was like, I was like no, 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 no. Like, and I know how to, like, navigate around Max. So I said, well, FaceTime me. Let's look together. And so we looked, and, and they were gone. And I was like, so what are you going to do? <laughs> right? Hey, and everything inside of me wanted to save her. I'm like, girl, I'll put on a wig and we'll just, I'll jump in. But I, I know, I know that, that I couldn't do that. And so she said, well, I have two options. I could preach the one that God told me, or I can preach the one that I have notes to that I'm confident in. I said, well, which one are you going to pick? 
And she said, I'm going to go with what God told me. And I'm like, you are? <laughs> She's like, yep, I'm going to go with that one. I was like, oh, and I feel for it because like third time, like that, it's just, you know, it's intimidating. It's in a brand new environment. She's never spoke there. And so I was like, man, I just was feeling that for her. Like, man, this is, this could go really good, God. This could go really bad. Um, and, uh, and so, but, but what she did, I think, is the key to cutting ropes. Because she had a decision to make. She had to cut the ropes from the message that she could have easily preached with her notes to go just off the cuff using her slides and just go for it. And so I said, well, what did you do? Oh, then, then so I was on the phone. We were FaceTiming. And she, she said, well, close my computer. She closed her computer. And she left it in the sound booth. And I was like, babe, aren't you going to take your computer to study? She's like, nope. Closed her computer. Went to the back room. I said, well, what did you do? She said, I just started to worship. I just started to worship like, God, <laughs> oh, Lord. And see, see, and, and I believe that it's really prophetic because Paul communicates it so clearly that the key to cutting your ropes, if you're taking notes, jot this down, the key to cutting your ropes of compromise is cultivating your praise. It's cultivating your praise. And, and this, is, this is exactly what happened with Paul. And can I just tell you, the conference... Uh, Again, it, it went incredible. So many people, women were touched. I mean, it was just like God showed up. It was unbelievable. But, man, it was that scary. And I know that, that some of you guys are going through a, a much greater storm than just forgetting your notes. And I'm mindful of that. But the principle stands is Paul is going to show us, man, the importance is to, 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 to cut the ropes. How do you do that? By, by cultivating your praise. And he goes on to say this. He goes on to tell the guys in Acts chapter 27. There it goes. He says, right up to daybreak, Paul kept urging them all to eat. He said, today is your 14th day in constant suspense without taking any food. Come on, you guys know that feeling. You're in the storm. This is like, I'm not hungry. And you're just terrified. You're just trying to hold on. You're sick because you're just getting tossed back and forth. You got no appetite. And Paul's like, you guys got to eat something. But I love how he encourages them. What does Paul do? He says, listen, I urge you to eat something because not a single hair on your head will be lost. Paul is like, listen, you're, you're acting like you're going to die. But God said you're going to live. And he's sovereign. See, this is both Old Testament and New Testament language. Not a hair on your head. Not a hair. What, is it, what does that mean? It means God knows you. He knows the number of hairs on your head. And he, not even one of them, Paul said, not even one of them will be lost. I got you. See, the, the beautiful picture about this is this. What Paul knew is, number one, he had a promise from God. But Paul also made a statement that we read last week. Paul ended up losing his life for the gospel, beheaded. But Paul was like, I, I get it. Even if I die, I live. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Paul had such an eternal perspective that it put, it put the temporary in its proper focus. And Paul said, listen, guys, there's going to be times, yeah, we may not make it through. God is still faithful. He's still loving. He's still good. He's still sovereign. We can still trust him. But in this case, guys, he told you you're going to live. So stop living like you're dead. Grab a hold of the promise and get something to eat. Sometimes just practically speaking, you got you to take care of yourself in the middle of the battle. But then he goes on to say this. He says, and after he said this, Paul took the bread and he gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat it. I love this part because I just think it's so special that Paul is, is he, he's here and he's like, it's, it's, it's a nightmare. Like, like, this is not like a, a quiet, hey, guys, let's break bread together. It's, it's going to be a great ride. You guys doing so far as no, like, you guys are sick. You've been in suspense, and you can't even eat. You're looking for shortcuts. Paul said, no, no, it's not pretty. It's, it's a mess. And Paul's like, in the middle of the mess, he grabs some bread, and he gives thanks. In the middle of the storm, in the midst of it, I'm going to thank you, Lord, Paul knew that if the devil can't steal my song, he can't take my stand. 
And so he's just getting rocked, just rocked. And all of a sudden, he, he gives thanks in front of them all. They're like, why are you thanking God? And we're still in it. I know, but the promise, the promise, I know in whom I've believed. And he, he breaks the bread. Is that, does that language sound familiar to you? The night that Jesus was his disciples, after giving thanks, he took the bread and he broke it. It's like Paul bringing them back to the gospel. Bringing them back to, hey guys, let me tell you about a storm of God's wrath that was meant for you and I that Jesus was thrown into. Gladly, willfully stepped into that storm so that our storms could cease. Come on, let me tell you about this bread and his body that was broken. His blood that was shed. So that God, so that he could work all things together for good. See, we, we, we love to say that passage, right? God works all things together for good. It's so horrible in a storm when somebody tells you that. Like, don't tell me that. It's not good. But we forget sometimes that God is working. It's a process. It's, he's working it out for good. And Paul is just, in this moment, it's amazing how one person's faith in the midst of a storm can shift the atmosphere. And he breaks the bread and he points them back to the reality and the person of Jesus. Can I just tell you that communion should be way more than a religious routine for you. That one of the greatest things to do in the midst of a storm or you, you know somebody that's in a storm. There's several occasions that when I know that somebody's in a storm and they're going through it and, and I don't have an answer for them. But I'm like, let's get some bread. Let's break it. Let's go back and get our feet planted in the gospel again, the gospel of peace. Let's go back and be reminded of who he is, of who he was, who he is, and what he promised he would do. A communion is so much more than the first Sunday. You need to take that around our tables more often. You need to take that on your lunch break more often so that you know, because work and, and all that stuff is crazy, and sometimes it's so easy to look for boats, and you're tempted with all these different, come back and break some bread. Get your song back. How do you get your song? you got to get your eyes fixed on who he is, on what he's done. Let that rise in your heart once again. Like, I know I'm not lost. I know I'm not abandoned. Not a hair on my head he is not mindful of. So I'm going to break some bread and give thanks in the middle of the storm. That's what I'm going to do. And look what it says happened. It says that after he said this, Paul took bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat, and they all were encouraged took some food for themselves. How beautiful is that? Like it clicked. Like this is what it's about. Cut the ropes. Get your praise cultivated. And stay on board. They already knew God said it was going to be a shipwreck. It was going to be a disaster. But God got them exactly where he promised to get them. It was messy and it was ugly, but they made it. And God will do the same for you. Can I just tell you that it's your praise that will silence the storm. It'll keep your footing, your foot locked. You're never going to see foot locker the same. Your foot locked in the gospel of peace, standing firm, unshaken. My question to you today is this. What ropes do you need to cut? What ropes do you need to cut? And where do you need to cultivate praise? Let it start today. Break some bread. Give thanks. Let communion be a part of the rhythm of your life that you might stand and silence the storm. Today I can't fix your storm, but I can just encourage you one last time. Stay on the ship. Stay on the ship.